All right. Okay. Um, been a few weeks since I shared with you. I'm glad to be back here tonight, and we're going to talk. I, I, when I spoke about a month ago, I guess it was, I opened up about um, spiritual warfare from a standpoint of displacement and a strategy of displacement, displacing uh, the work of the enemy with the uh, name of Jesus and uh, the kingdom of God. And I want to carry on with that. And uh, I've titled this, Weapons of Warfare and Armor We Sometimes Neglect. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the standard ones, but I'm going to focus a little bit more on some of the other ones. We don't necessarily think of them as spiritual warfare uh, tactics or weapons or uh, uh, armor that uh, the Lord provides for us. So I want to uh, share that. I've printed out a couple of scriptures that we're going to refer to and then um, a list of 10 items here. Uh, first of all, we're going to look at 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. This story, the king of Aram was uh, persecuting and attacking Israel and the prophet Elisha was messing up his plans because he, was, he kept prophesying with words of knowledge where the enemy army was. And so the, the army of Israel would go and be prepared and, and he was having a real hard time. And, and his advisors were saying, you know, this guy Elisha, he's, he's, he knows what's happening, you know, everywhere in his sleep and he's disclosing all these secrets. So this didn't set well with the king of Aram. So he, uh, he's, he's going to come after Elisha. And Elisha's in a city. And we pick up the story here in 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, Elisha, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so I pray the same way. Let's, let, I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer of Ephesians 1. Lord Jesus, in Ephesians 1, Paul wrote, I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. And just like this servant could not see in the spiritual realm without a special prayer from the prophet Elijah, I pray, Lord, for myself and for all of us here tonight and all of us in the body of Christ that our eyes will be opened to see things as they truly are, to see things as you see them and not merely in the flesh and not merely as we see them. In Jesus' name, amen. This story illustrates, kind of funny actually, I mean, this guy, he wakes up in the morning, you know, he's going to start the campfire and go out and all of that, and he sees all the enemy army in the flesh, and Elisha says, don't, don't worry, uh, we've got more than they've got. And he looked at Elisha, and he said, okay, well, there's one. And he looked at me, looked at himself, and 
that's one and a half because <laughs> he's scared. He looked at maybe a dog or a chicken or something and he's going, well, they're not going to help much. And then, of course, Elisha prays and, and his eyes are opened and he sees the host of angels, horses, chariots of fire, the fire of God there to uh, protect, there to wage battle, there to do the work of the Lord. And uh, as the army in the flesh came down to attack, Elisha then prays just the opposite prayer. He says, strike them with blindness. And they, he, they were struck with blindness and they could not see and, and they were not able to be victorious against uh, Elisha the prophet in the city. And so that's the way things are. And this is an Old Testament story and we'll look at some other uh, uh, things like that. But these beings, just like there are angels that we cannot see, there are ancient angels and ancient demons that are all around us. This room, most likely, is, I don't want to say full, I don't know, I have no clue, but there most likely are angels and demons in this room that we just simply cannot see, like radio waves that travel through the room without, and we don't hear it, we don't see it, we don't know it, but there, there's radio waves broadcasting. And if we were to tune our phones or our transistor radios to go back in the day or, or have a receptacle to where we could tune in and hear the frequency of that radio wave, we would see a TV show or some music playing on the radio or someone talking, what have you, and we would be able to see it because we had the tool necessary in order to see it. Well, angels and demons are not like radio waves, and the spiritual realm is not like the, the realm of, of uh, those waves, but in the same way, we have demons attacking us. We have demons lying to us all the time. They follow us around all day long. I mean, good grief, this is church. Why'd you bring those with you? You know, you didn't bring them, you didn't know, but, but they're around, they're, they're a reality. We don't focus on them. That's not the main passion of our heart and our life. Just as there are angels who watch over us. There are guardian angels who guard us and, and minister to us the will of the Lord and help implement the, the, the kingdom of God and the will of the Lord at his command, not ours. And we don't focus on the angels either. We, our eyes are fixed in, on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and that's really all we need. And that ought to be our rightful focus. But at the same time, the Bible tells us to not be unaware of the devil's schemes. He prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And so we, we need to be simply aware and then to process that and negotiate that the correct way according to the word and according to uh, the Lord's will. So this is part of what's being revealed here to the servant. Is You, you think that we're just going to be wiped out by all these guys, but we've got a heavenly host that have come down to earth and they're going to take care of us. Very interesting story in the book of Daniel. Many of you are familiar with it. Daniel goes and, he, and he's going to pray. He's going to pray for 21 days. He goes on a, what we commonly know as a Daniel fast where it wasn't a full fast where no food at all, but, but a partial sacrifice of eating only certain things and he dedicated himself to prayer. And he was just seeking the Lord. And finally, after 21 days, the angel, the angel Gabriel appears to him. And Gabriel is quite a sight to behold. You can read about it, Daniel chapter 10. 
And Gabriel says an amazing thing to Daniel. He said, three weeks ago, I was sent by the Lord in answer to your prayer. But I got hung up. And I was, I was fighting over this territory I couldn't get through. And then Michael, another archangel, had to come help me. And then I finally made my way here to you. It's an, it's an incredible story. It's an incredible concept to think of this. Now keep this in mind. As soon as Daniel requested of the Lord for some insight and some, some vision and some wisdom, God commissioned Gabriel to go give this to him. But Daniel had to keep praying and praying and praying and praying three weeks. And the angel said, I, I was sent three weeks ago, but I didn't make it through. And it was partially because Daniel persisted in prayer, just like we are commanded to do. Remember when I told, we talked about uh, several months ago about knocking on the door? And just Yeah, there you go. Not, keep on knocking. Don't stop knocking. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. Keep on, and you will find, and, and the door will be open to you. We're to pray persistently. And here is a fantastic example of one dynamic of how that works. And he, said, he goes on to say something very interesting. I, I was sent three weeks ago, couldn't get through. I wanted to get here sooner, but I was hung up in the spiritual realm, fighting spiritual battles. Michael, another angel, had to come help me. And when Michael came, then I was able to break through. But I was hung up, and he said, over with the prince of Persia. Some versions would interpret that as the princess of Persia. In other words, the demonic powers that had control over a certain segment of territory. And we'll go into a little bit of why that happens, but that happens largely because of the sinful acts of mankind who allow that, those demonic powers to rule and reign instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Gabriel goes on to explain to Daniel an incredible vision uh, of, of things to come and some of the most incredible prophecies that were ever given to any prophet, and, and it affects us even to the end of the age. And so there are demon powers over our nation today. And the reason there are demon powers over the land of the USA is because the people of the USA are in cahoots with them by their sin, by their evil ways, by, by even calling upon them in some ways. And many do so ignorantly, but by denying the power of the Lord, by denying the word of the, God, uh, of the Lord, and not following the Lord, they give ability and strength and power for these demons to do certain things. And so we need... Um, and what's happening, and I'll talk about it at the end, is they're making proclamations. And I'm speaking of our lawmakers. I'm speaking of our celebrities. I'm speaking of the masses and the voters and the people as a whole. And I'm not, I don't mean to get political. I'm not going to get political at all. I'm simply saying that when lawmakers and leaders and a mass of people by majority create certain proclamations over a land then great evil, the, the door of great evil is opened up. This happened in 1968. 
and, and throughout the 60s, where there once was a standard of living, even though people didn't abide by it and all that, and there certainly was moral failure and all that, but you watch even the TV shows back then. I mean, Ricky and Lucy couldn't even sleep in the same bed. They were married. I mean, the, these standards were so high. It was Leave it to Beaver and all these shows. And, and, and in, you look at the, the sewer that, uh, that Hollywood is today. And, and, and all of that happened in a transition in the late 60s based on certain things that uh, were happening. The drug culture, the, the proclamation of, of uh, denying morality and so forth. So we need to pray. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the, for the destruction of strongholds. We need God's divine power to destroy the strongholds over America today. And Satan builds strongholds, and he does it. Satan can build a stronghold almost anywhere that is void of the kingdom of God. He can build a stronghold in a segment of our souls if Jesus is not Lord over that. He can build a stronghold over a family. He can build a stronghold over a business. He can build a stronghold anywhere that where, and he uses the mortar of lies, sin, yielded assets, and stolen property that belong to the Lord, but people have not given Jesus lordship over those things and over those, those concepts. So we do not fight with flesh, but with spiritual weapons, and that's the point of our message here tonight. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 in your, in your Bibles or in your notes. I've given it to you there. And we're going to look at spiritual weapons and armor that you may have forgotten about or you may have neglected. Verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, Lord Jesus. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Okay, so number one, and I give you a list of 10 things, a few blanks to fill in, just to, I want to keep you uh, in the game, hanging with me here, okay? Number one, be strong in the Lord. Write that down. Be strong in the Lord. You know, Paul goes on to list 
And he uses the analogy of clothing or, or literal armor in a battle, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword, and so forth and so on. But, but really, when we think of spiritual warfare, we must start in this, in that we must be strong in the Lord. Um, many of us in Texas have a constant challenge of uh, keeping our lawns strong and healthy. It's 100 degrees out for a thousand days in a row, for crying out loud. We're only, we're, the cities don't let us water, you know, enough and all of that. And so we plant these nice, healthy lawns, but when the lawns get weak, when the grass gets weak in spots or, or unhealthy or dry, then a lot of weeds come in, bugs and things that can destroy the, the healthiness of the lawn. And so, therefore, a healthy lawn has very, you know, a nicely watered mode and, and well-fed lawn, nutritious lawn, has very few problems, just naturally. You don't really have to worry about bugs all that much, and you don't really have to worry about weeds because the healthy lawn just kind of chokes all that stuff out. And so it is with our lives that if our lives are weak, then it, we're, we're nice feeding ground for bugs <laughs> and, and for weeds and for things that should not be there. And so be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, David was uh, being attacked by the armies of Saul. And the Bible says that he strengthened himself for the Lord. I want you to strengthen yourself in the Lord. E even now as I speak, without you don't need to take any action, but just inwardly in your inner man, in your spirit man, just be strong in the Lord. Just let God rise up. And if he wasn't as strong because of the weariness of the day, uh, then, then let him take over that spot and those places right now. Be strong in the Lord. Counselors often use uh, an acronym called HALT, H-A-L-T. Many of you know about it. You've been through programs or counseling or sessions, and you know about HALT. It stands for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And you should never make these big decisions, and you should never view life or things or the situation when you're overly hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, or when you're tired, because it skews everything. And so if you're hungry, strengthen yourself in the Lord. If you're angry, be angry and sin not, but strengthen yourself in the Lord and let the soothing waters of the Holy Spirit just come into those places and just cool that anger. If you're lonely, take refuge in the Lord. Find fellowship in the Lord. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. If you're tired, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. I find that good worship music is one of the absolute best ways to do this. I, I, how many of you would agree that there's some good old, real good worship music, praise music, Man, I mean, it lifts my spirit. It, it, music just gigantically affects me as a being. And, um, you know, so I love to put on worship CDs and worship music. And I, and I find myself, and, and I'll do it while I'm working in the yard or, or, or working in the house or, or what have you. Or sometimes just putting on and, and just focusing totally. But whether I'm totally focused or just, it's just in the background, it edifies my spirit. And I'm strengthened in the Lord. And uh, David, likewise, did this earlier in his days before he 
strengthened himself in the Lord that way. But the Spirit of the Lord was on David mightily. And Saul, who had rejected God, he was the king of Israel and he rejected God. And he was disobedient. And the Samuel prophet said, your disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. It was very grievous sin. And because of that, an evil spirit tormented Saul. And he, and he got angry and fits of rage and he, he, would just, he was just a crazy man. Because the evil spirit would come and go various times in various waves of strength. And Saul was greatly tormented and he remained king of, of Israel. And so David was full of the Holy Spirit and David was good on the harp and he would sing praise, worship songs. And so, long story short, he asked David to come and in the palace... And when King Saul would have be tormented by the evil spirit, David would sing and the spirit of the Lord would overcome the evil spirit and Saul would be comforted from, from uh, the, the music of David. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this today and there is just a, a fantastic song. Uh, it's been around probably 20, 25 years, maybe longer, I don't know. But uh, Russ, Russ Taft sang it. It was a song, Praise the Lord. And I, I, I saw that today, and I was kind of looking at what songs, you know, really bring about the presence and express this. And I, w- I just want to read the words. It, it, I wish I could sing it. You don't want me to sing it. I, I, I'm a preacher, not a singer, but so, I'm, so I'm going to proclaim it, okay? But it says, when you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams, and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes, And you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. The second verse Now, Satan is a liar, and he wants to make us think that we are paupers when he knows himself we're children of the king. If you can recite it with me, feel free. So lift up the mighty shield of faith, for the battle has been won. We know that Jesus Jesus Christ has ridden, so the work's already done. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord, for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. Let's give the Lord a clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I I love that song. I always will. It just, it speaks so clearly and it just lifts my spirit and it directs me of what to do when the faith I'm standing in seems to disappear. It really doesn't. But, but the, the world overwhelms us sometimes and our own feelings and, our own, and, the, and the lies of the enemy and the attack of the enemy can overwhelm us. God inhabits the praises of his people. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And where freedom rings, bondage cannot exist. And when the chains of bondage are broken, the enemy is defeated. So we defeat the enemy 
with the weapon of praise. Hallelujah. So be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Satan prowls like a roaring lion. Be strong in the Lord. Discouragement comes. Be strong in the Lord. Our bodies give out. Be strong in the Lord. People fail us. People sin against us. People wound us. Be strong in the Lord. Life knocks us down. Be strong in the Lord. Hallelujah. The second one, the second weapon, the second uh, piece of armor is the belt of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And he also said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. One way to translate Ephesians chapter 6, which is what we're looking at, when it says, finally put on the full armor of God, a good way to translate that, possibly, would be put on God who is your armor. See, these aren't pieces that we pick off a shelf. It's God. And so we put on God, and he is our armor. He is our strength. He is our shield. He is our protector. He is our source. He is our provider. He is our healer. So we put on the belt of truth. He is the truth. And I, I love the, the illustration of a belt because it, it, a belt wraps all the way around you. And some of us have bigger belts than others. Okay, it wraps all the way around us and it surrounds us. We need to surround our truth, marching forward on each side, behind us. Let's surround ourselves with, with truth, which is, of course, the word of God. We guard our hearts from deception with truth. We guard our hearts from deception with truth. Eve said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The serpent deceived me and I sinned. We need to guard our hearts from that deception. Satan constantly, 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 relentlessly, without any break whatsoever, lies at you, accuses you, tells you wrong things, accuses God. Anytime I hear somebody say, I'm angry at God, I understand those emotions. I understand that. And, and we... we, we can process that, but we need to let that process and get it quickly out and replace that by God. Because when, whenever I hear, hear a person remaining in their anger at God, I, I hear the enemy just whispering and shouting in their ear, be angry at God, be angry at God. It's God's fault. It's God's fault. And that comes from the pit of hell. And we need to stand on that. You need to, you need to, I learned this as a very, at a very early age, and maybe you did too. Maybe some of you didn't learn this at a very early age, so that when something bad happens, I know not to go there. I was blessed to have parents and Sunday school teachers and pastors that taught me that. But if you have not yet fully adopted that truth, then you need, on a good day, when things are going pretty well, you need to say, I'm going to accept that as truth so that when the storm blows, I'm not going to go there. Because, my gosh, God is your only hope and you're mad at him. I mean, now, where, now how good are, are things? I mean, that's about as bad as it can get. And that's exactly where Satan wants you. He wants you in that place of total despair. Number three, the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. There's two kinds of righteousness that we need to understand. 
There is positional righteousness and there's experiential righteousness. Positional righteousness means that on the day that we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and put our faith in him to forgive us of our sins and to ask him to come into our hearts positionally, his righteousness is transferred to us. Instantly, you don't have to ask for it, you don't have to work for it, you don't have to mature into it. You just have the righteousness of Christ. It's a free gift. And that is your position. So when God the Father looks down from heaven at your wonderful being, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. He sees his son. He sees you he sees Jesus first and he sees then you reflecting through Jesus. And that's positional righteousness. Your position as far as legal standing is completely righteous, no worries. But we know experientially as we walk through our daily life, we don't always act completely 100% righteous, do, do we? I mean, I don't. I'll, I'll stand at the start of that line. Anybody say that you, uh, don't put your hand up because I'm going to ask the opposite question. Okay. Anybody say I, I'm 100% righteous 100% of the time, all the time, I'm perfect? No. None of us do that. And, and until Jesus comes for the second time and we see him as he is in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed for we shall see him as he is and we will be transformed. Until that day, we struggle experientially. Now, our experience as we grow in the Lord and as we be strong in the Lord ought to grow into and, and day after day after day, it ought to match our position as we grow in Christ. And if you're abandoning that and you just say, ah, oh, forget it, you know, I, I, I got the position, I'm saved, I'm good, I'll, I'll just go out and live like the devil, well, that's, that's really wrong. First of all, very unthankful for what Jesus has done on the cross, and it's very disrespectful. You're purposefully sinning, breaking the commandments of God, and not only that, you're putting yourself in a really rotten position. I mean, Satan is going to come pounce on your head. Because when we act in evil and we do not act righteously, we, we no longer come under the umbrella of the Lord in that experience. But in that experience, we're giving complete control over to the devil. So don't do that. Okay, how many of you will say, Scott, I won't do that? Okay, thank you very much. First Peter 5.8 says, the devil prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Well, guess what? You know, it's easy pickings when he's got believers acting very, very wrong, and you're giving a place and he can attack you, whereas you stay under the protection and under the banner of the Lord, both experientially and positionally, then you have that protection um, in every experience. Number four, the gospel of peace. Let me just comment on this. I, I'm just going to kind of move quickly through a few of these and get to a couple of the ones at the end. It's a gospel of peace. Anybody know what the gospel means? I mean, the word gospel, what does it mean? It means what, Erlene? The gospel means good news. It's good news. And um, our weapons are not carnal. So when we go to fight evil, have you heard all the rantings that are out there in the world? Everybody's ranting, right? Unless, unless you just never turn on anything electronic, no internet, no TV, no radio, no newspaper, and you stay away from all kinds of people, you hear ranting. 
I mean, my gosh, I, I was listening. I, I like I like have a cup of coffee sometimes, and I'll watch Good Morning America. And uh, you know, they they got these two lawyers on Good Morning America. Anybody seen this? And the purpose of having these two lawyers discussing whatever cases around is so that these two lawyers can simply yell at each other. And I've, I'm convinced that. GMA thinks this is entertaining, and it just drives me nuts. What's, what's her name? Uh, the blonde lady lawyer that... Nancy Grace. Nancy Grace, she just... And then they got this other guy, and they're just ranting and ranting and ranting. And then you got, you got all the talk show radios, Christian and non, ranting about how we ought to do this, and the, the world ought to be like this, and rant, 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 argue, 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 and it's hateful. And it just disturbs my spirit like crazy. Drives me nuts. Even though I may be fully in agreement with the overall point that they're trying to make, you know, I'm going, the way you're saying it, folks, it's the gospel of peace. You know, we should not be a voice that is a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong without love. Because without love, we are nothing. So it's the gospel of peace. We need to uh, approach our spiritual warfare. See, the weapons of our warfare are not the normal way. I mean, we think of warfare and people are shooting with guns and stabbing with knives and dropping bombs and all of that. We don't fight like that. We fight with completely different weapons. And it's the gospel of peace. So put that on your feet and everywhere you walk, go to the gospel of peace. Number five, the shield of faith. Love the shield of faith. Use the shield of faith all the time. I want you to use it all the time. We're going to use it here in a few minutes. Okay, because collectively, because one of the, my main points here in a few minutes is, is doing things collectively in warfare. But collectively, we're going to implement the shield of faith. But uh, what does it say here in Ephesians 6 about the shield of faith? Use the shield of faith because it extinguishes what? All the flaming missiles or arrows of the evil one. So it's like he's shooting these evil missile arrows at you. You know, if you you know any movie, war movie or whatever, and 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 they're dropping the bombs or something's coming in. Well, they always say, "Incoming!" You know, "Incoming!" and they dive for cover and all that. It's the "incoming" is the military word, I guess. I've never been in the military. Um, incoming. So it's like, you know, sometimes you walk throughout your day, isn't it, like, and, and you're being shot at, you know, incoming. Well, so what? Really, so what? Because the shield of faith extinguishes all the flaming missiles of the evil one. This is great news. That's the gospel. It's great news. Well, you're going, well, yeah, but wait a minute. I mean, the devil, he attacks pretty hard sometimes. I mean, my, life, my circumstances are pretty hard. Put up the shield of faith. Those who are with us are greater than those who are out there. And he who is greater in you is greater than he who is in the world. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that. But we do not walk by sight. We walk by what? Faith. And we raise up the shield of faith. And the shield of faith extinguishes all the flaming missiles of the evil one. 
like the lies and the temptations and the bad attitudes. It extinguishes the missiles of fear. It extinguishes the missiles of anger and discouragement. Shield, uh, faith is a shield and it extinguishes all those. And it, and it causes the accusations and the lies and the attempts of the enemy to simply fizzle out. And when we believe that and when we utilize that, it works. I started doing something. You, you know, you were back there t- talking about me knocking on my fist to illustrate. And it, I find, this is just me personally, I find that if I do physical things to illustrate my belief and I walk it out and I do something and I take action, even in something like the Lord tells us to knock and it shall be open to you. So, so I'll do this while I'm praying a lot of times. You'll see me. Don't think I'm weird when you see me do this. I'm, I'm praying, okay? Leave me alone. All right? So that's just my way, okay? Well, I started really understanding the shield of faith and the flaming missiles were coming at me from all over and I said, okay, I believe this, but I got to do something to uh, implement this and and make it more real in me. So you know what I started doing? Started acting like I had this shield on my arm, okay? And when the the flaming missiles of the evil one started coming in, I I literally, no matter, sometimes I'm driving, sometimes I I did this on the golf course once too, that looked weird, (laughs) you know, and I did this, I, I went and I made a sound, here it goes, it was like, Flaming missile coming in over here to, the, to my left. Coming in from all around. So I did this. All right, now you completely think that I've lost it, right? But you know what? I've done this a time or two with groups, and I'm going to have us all do it together, okay? Just as a, as a congregation, and as a collective act of faith. Okay, now you got the sound? It's... It's F F F F F T T T H H H T T T T with a rope. Okay, that's that's the correct Greek pronunciation of it. Okay, it's okay. But you got okay. Everybody, get your shield ready. Don't don't lift it up yet. Okay, get your shield ready with your arm strapped on your arm. Your shield. Okay, and when I say one two three, I want us all together to make the sound. We're gonna lift it up, and man, it's gonna be powerful. Okay, ready? Okay, one, two, three. Whoa. I mean, I've just felt the demons run away out of here. Why shoot at you anymore when we got that? I love it. I love the shield of faith. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Our faith is not in the things of this world. It is in Jesus Christ, the ruler and king of Lord of everything. He is the strongest, greatest one who ever existed. He created all of this. He's in control of all of this. And he is your Lord and Savior. And that's who we have our faith in. So put on God who is your armor. When we do this, we're just saying, Lord, you take this one. Lord, this is yours. I can't, I can't, I can't do anything about that attack. But you can. You're my armor. I am surrounded with the belt of truth. I'm surrounded with God. All, from within and without. And my faith is in him. And I walk by faith, not by sight. I don't look at 
and I don't walk and give any account to what I see with my natural eyes or what I feel in my body, I stand on the word of God, and I encourage you to do that too. So I would love it if you just made that your own habit, or maybe the Lord will give you your own version of that, but just remember, okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Um, next, the helmet of salvation. Okay. Um, how many of you have seen the movie Iron Man? <laughs> how many of you have not seen the movie Iron Man or never heard of Marvel Comics and Iron Man character? Okay. I haven't either. Somebody just told me about it. Um, no, that's not true. <coughs> Iron Man is really cool. Iron Man, he has this supernatural suit of iron. <coughs> Pardon me. And, and, the, 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 and he goes around saving the world and doing all that stuff the superheroes do. And in the movie, it was like a nuclear missile would like hit Iron Man directly on the head. And it would, and, and it would cause Iron Man to just kind of go Vroom, like that. But the nuclear bomb didn't, didn't phase him, couldn't penetrate the armor. It was, it was awesome. But, but it kind of, you know, he would feel, you know, not just a regular bullet, you know, just bounce off. But a nuclear weapon, it would, would kind of go like that and kind of shake him for a second and go on. The helmet of salvation doesn't even move. Doesn't even feel it. Doesn't move. It doesn't matter how bad that is because the helmet of salvation is rock solid. It is steady. It doesn't change. It doesn't move. It is yours. It is a free gift of God. It's not going anywhere. And put on the helmet of salvation, which most of us already have, I assume. And that is the greatest piece of armor, and it guards our, our head. Okay, so it keeps our minds straight. It keeps us thinking the right way. So keep the helmet of salvation. Number seven, the sword of the Spirit, which is what? <coughs> yes. So use the sword of the Spirit. How did Jesus defeat the, the devil when he went out and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness? And the devil himself comes and tempts Jesus three different ways in three different major categories. And how did Jesus defeat the devil? What did he use? He just spoke the word of God back to the enemy. And Satan didn't have anything to say. Folks, spiritual warfare does not have to be this long, drawn-out battle where there's round one and round two and round three and round four. I just, you just speak the word of God, cased, closed. You use it like the sword of the spirit. Ooh, I came up with a new noise. And, and the issue is settled. Ask God to give you a word get into the word, memorize the word, stand on the word, and you cannot be harmed by the enemy. I love the, the sword of the spirit. <coughs> At least once a day, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly am just like all of you. Uh, at least once a day, I have this little thought that comes to me. And it's usually once a day, sometimes twice, and every once in a while, it'll skip a day, but usually about once a day, this little tiny thought comes to me, and that thought is this. Oh, no! <laughs> like, what? oh, no, what am I going to do? This is a problem. This hurts. This is overwhelming. Oh, no! 
incoming. You know, sometimes they use them both together. Um, but the word of God, so whenever I have that, oh no, I simply speak the word of God because Jesus said, I said I would never leave you or forsake you. I told you that I would supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. What's to get disturbed over? Just stand on the word. And, and that doesn't necessarily change the circumstances out there and it's still happening and all of that. But I'm not going to waste one single breath or one single day living in fear over what might happen, what the devil might do to me, or what this world, how the world might beat me up. I refuse. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, and there should be no fear in here. Oh yeah, it'll, it'll pass by. I mean, you know, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. And we can't stop the flaming missiles being shot at us, but we don't have to let that live in our hearts or our minds or anywhere else. So simply, the word of God, the sword of spirit is the word the the sword of the spirit is incredibly sharp and incredibly effective. So that kind of completes the list of the natural illustrative armor. But look what Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter six, and pray in the spirit. So that's the next one. We often forget to pray in the Spirit. I read an article by Dr. Michael Brown, uh, who was a wonderful leader in the charismatic Pentecostal movement, and, and he was kind of chastising the Pentecostal Spirit-filled church because we, we just don't talk about that stuff anymore as a whole. And I'm glad we do here, and, and we don't, and, and we as Spirit-filled believers don't utilize one of the most precious gifts we have, the ability to pray in the Spirit and to use our heavenly language and to, be, to let the Holy Spirit flow out of us. I pray in the Spirit a lot, and I'm strengthened in, in, in doing so. Um, the Bible says that he who prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. And this kind of goes back to be strong in the Lord. If, if, I, if, if I don't have any praise and worship music on and I'm just out there somewhere and sometimes I'll do it quiet, sometimes I'll do it loud. I've prayed in tongues on the golf course too, um, loudly. And, but but I'll, I'll just pray in, in my heavenly language as the Lord gives it to me and I just feel my, my soul, my, my body, my spirit being edified and strengthened. But it's a wonderful gift, and if you're not drinking from that fountain, you're getting awfully thirsty out there. Just like that lawn that needs some water. Let the water of the Holy Spirit, the river of the Holy Spirit, flow through those parched areas of your soul and give yourself a good drink. Um, some of the armor is armor, and some weapons are tactics. Well, praying in the Spirit is a tactic to strengthen us. So I encourage you in that. Number nine, an attitude of thankfulness. An attitude of thankfulness. Is that one of the ones I gave you to fill in the blanks? Thankfulness. Seems like a basic, simple thing. Thankfulness is a piece of armor that protects us against bitterness and discouragement. Count your blessings. If you just start getting discouraged, if you're bitter, 
anger welling up, you just start naming the good things that the Lord has done for you. And start just by giving you breath. Start by thanking him for Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Thanking him for the Father's love. Thanking him for the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us into all truth and is our comforter. And just stay thankful. I, I, there's a very precious story to me. It's incredibly meaningful. I don't know if, I'll, if you'll be able to really catch on its full meaning. It'll probably be more impactful to me. But I want to tell it to you. I, was, I grew up in church. And I mean, literally, I, my dad wasn't a pastor, but man, we were just there all the time. And I really considered the church building to be like a second home. And I had hiding places and I'd get into stuff and, you know, all that. But I was just always around church. And I remember my mom went to a ladies' meeting and I was, I was a preschooler, probably about four years old with my two sisters who were younger than I. We were in the nursery just much like we have the nurseries around here. And, and you got those half doors. We had a half door. And, and there was a really kind person in there taking care of us and watching us. And we were playing with toys and so forth. And we were there for half a day. Well, this church where I grew up, First Assembly of God in Santa Rosa, California, had an older man who was the janitor. And his name was Charlie, Charlie the janitor. And I was very young, but I knew Charlie was, he was small, um, in stature, he, he, was, he was very much a senior citizen, a very kind person. He would always bring and give us sticks of gum, and we liked Charlie the janitor. But Charlie had, um, and to this day, I, I don't know what the problem was, but he had a problem with his eyes. And as a four-year-old child, I vividly remember this. And, and his eyes would like droop down. I don't know if he had a stroke or something happened. I, I don't know if he was born with a defect or something. But he could barely open his eyes to see. And in order to talk to you or to see, he had to tilt his head way back. And he would, he would talk to you like that. Well, if you and I, as adults, met Charlie, we would be a little more sophisticated and a little more kind uh, in talking to him about something like that. But I was just a bold young kid who didn't know any better. And I said, I, I, re, I kind of remember saying it nicely, but I, I, I said, uh, Charlie, what, why do your eyes do that? What's, what's wrong with your eyes? They look funny, or however I said it. I remember I was very close to him. I was kind of propped up on that half door, and I, I can go to the spot where, where it was today. And Charlie looked back at me, and he was embarrassed. Um, don't know what happened, but he was very ill at ease and very embarrassed that I had brought up that subject. And he, he just kind of smiled at me and walked away. And as he walked away, and I remember leaning over and looking down the hallway as Charlie the janitor walked away, and he had his hands in the air, so I, I'm seeing to, to his back like this. And he was just saying, I just praise the Lord. I just thank the Lord. I'm so thankful. Thank you for all you've done for me, Jesus. And so even in the midst of that embarrassing and difficult situation, whatever it was physically, he, he gave thanks to the Lord. And we can understand that, but I need to tell you what the Lord spiritually did in me at that very moment. Something, can't really describe 
describe it, but something was transferred from that spiritual act of praise and thanksgiving into my soul. And it's as real to me today. And I grew up having acquired in the spirit that spirit of thankfulness. Now, I can get irritated just like everybody else, but, but I, I, I just have a, a, the, the blessing and the gift of the Lord that that was transferred to me. And I wonder what's being transferred, the wonderful blessings as we walk up and down these hallways and as, as we interact with kids. I wonder what's being transferred as we give praise and thanks to the Lord and what they're catching because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that has been such a blessing to me. And when, I, when something bad does happen to me and I go through a difficult time, I remember Charlie the janitor and I try to just respond in the same way and I just give all thanks and praise to the Lord. The attitude of thankfulness is a fantastic weapon against the attack of the enemy. And so I encourage you in that. Number 10, we're done. I'm going to rest here for just a few minutes. Something a little bit unique. Write this down. Collective, that's the key word, collective prayers, collective repentance, and collective proclamations. The Old Testament says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. In other words, collectively humble themselves. Pray. Call upon the name of the Lord. Then I will heal their land. We have the ability as a people, in families, in small groups, to proclaim, to pray either blessings or cursings that the enemy or the Lord can ride upon. And great destruction or great blessings are the result of it. When we do things collectively like pray and repent, the Lord responds to that mightily. When we proclaim the goodness of the Lord over our homes, over our business, that Jesus Christ is Lord over this store right here. Jesus Christ is Lord over this property. You know, where my house sits and to the sidewalk and beyond. And then we take it further. Jesus Christ, be the Lord down this street. Jesus Christ, and we proclaim, then, then the Lord takes that and he rides upon it and he moves with it. And there's a lot of power in that, just like collectively going like that. But the same can be done with cursings and proclaiming not the word of God, but that the word of God is invalid. And we face this today, and I, and I bring this to our attention because we are in a warfare, we are in a place of warfare in which great cursings are going forth. Incredible proclamations that those who proclaim them have no idea. Their eyes and their hearts are totally blind to how much destruction is being done. In 1962, uh, the, the law of the land said we can no longer pray in schools, and we took prayer out of the schools. It used to be that students in public schools would read the word of God or say the Lord's prayer or I've heard, I've seen in some of the written prayers that they used to pray. Oh God, we call upon you. We ask that you'll bless us, our parents, our teachers, and our land. And they would do that before or after the Pledge of Allegiance and it became a typical normal thing. The, uh, 
the uh, biggest problems listed before 1962, the problems in schools were things like this. Here are the biggest problems we faced in our public schools prior to 1962. Running in the hallways, chewing gum, talking in class, and incomplete homework. Oh my gosh, I wish that was our worst problems today. Instead of shootings, instead of drug use, instead of homosexuality, instead of abortion, instead of all the wickedness and all of the difficulty that our young people are inflicted with because we did not call upon the name of the Lord any longer. I was privileged about 10, 12 years ago to go with a group of people to the mall in Washington, D.C., and we stood before the Capitol, about half a million of us, and we prayed that prayer that used to be prayed, and we, we called upon God to heal our land, and we're still praying that in various ways and in various collections of people. So, um, blessings and cursings. One of, one of the things uh, that I'm privileged to do in business, I have mainly two businesses, one's major, one's minor. My major business is I do health insurance and Medicare for individuals and all that. But one of my other businesses is I do seminars for businesses and clinics and teachings and sessions of teaching how businesses ought to treat their customers. Well, I have one client, one business, uh, CSI, Customer Satisfaction Index, is incredibly important to all businesses. J.D. Powers, they do surveys and Getting good surveys is almost more important, and having goodwill toward people is almost more important than doing the business itself to a lot of businesses. I've got one client that was approaching a certain segment of their business in an extremely negative way, and their in-house way of dealing with certain problems and certain customers, even though they would never do that outwardly to customers, was very destructive, it was killing business, and it was stealing any joy of business promise or, or anything else. Sound familiar? Kill, steal, and destroy? And uh, I had to directly encounter this in, in some of my seminars, and I deal with a business for a long time, over a period of time. And, I, and one of the things I'm able to do is get them to turn certain segments of their problem around. Well, I directly went after this, because I'm going, this, <laughs> this attitude, this is of the devil, and I, there's certain things I can say and can't say. But I was able to change the wording into blessings instead of the cursings that was the in-house thing. And I was able to implement new wording, new way, and this is industry-wide. And at least here in the Metroplex, over about a 10-year period of time, I've been able to totally, not me, but the Lord, able to totally transform that element in that industry, I won't say what it is, and, and make it something completely else. I did that by proclaiming certain things and pointing out that here's why this is important. Well, as a nation, we need to do that as well. Um, and so the, the whole 1962, when America dropped prayer out of schools. Today, um, we deal with the after effects of the 1973 Supreme Court ruling that made abortion legal. And 50, over 50 million babies later that have been burned, dismembered, crushed, and, and sucked out of their mother's womb, which is horrific, the Holocaust continues. 
This is a great curse over our nation. And we look at these issues, and, 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 and even this year, another big blow uh, where our leaders proclaimed and our lawmakers proclaimed that uh, in favor of homosexual marriage. And uh, totally ignoring the word of God in Luciferian arrogance. I mean, just incredibly arrogant to say the word of God is not valid anymore and we're going to go along with this. Folks, the eyes of our hearts have been darkened. And, and we look at these problems collectively as a church and we don't see any immediate letting up. And it's easy for us to become overwhelmed. But once again, what I'm going to say is, if our eyes are opened, we have more on our side than they do, the devil has on their side. But it's not fleshly. It's not carnal. It's in the spirit. And we've got, a, we've got the Lord himself leading the way. We've got angels and a host of chariots of fire that want to go into action. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to proclaim the truth. We need to understand. We can't rant the, all the typical noisy, clanging arguments that make no sense whatsoever. We've got to speak the words in the spirit. We've got to speak the full counsel of God and the word of God, and that's what I'm calling for. One last thing. Just give me five more minutes. It's five till eight, and I want to, I want to do something I, I feel the Lord led me to do, and it's significant. And... Um, America was born with this incredible, hideous birth defect. It was, born, it was founded on the Word of God and the Scriptures and the belief in, in the Lord God Almighty, but it had an incredible birth defect in, in the issue of slavery. And it was completely of the devil. It was from the pit of hell. In, 19, in 1863, Abraham Lincoln did the Emancipation Proclamation, one of the greatest proclamations that I'm talking about uh, in, in our history to where he said legally slaves can no longer be slaves and they are completely free. But the hearts of men are hard and the curse remained largely unchallenged until 100 years later. Um, and in a few weeks we're going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of one of the greatest proclamations, prophetic proclamations and inspirational proclamations that our land has ever had. I stood on the, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial uh, on the spot where Dr. Martin Luther King, Reverend, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, made this incredible I Have a Dream speech. He was a Christian minister. He used scripture in his speech. Christian themes and the words he spoke are some of the meaningful to me because I'm a Christian. And uh, we still have a, a struggle and we need to work out this salvation. But um, these are some of the words that he spoke. And I want to uh, speak them here today, close to the 50th anniversary. Dr. Martin Luther King says, I say to you today, my friends, even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustices, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. He 
He's prophesying. He's proclaiming. I have a dream that my four little children will one day have live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day in Alabama, with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day, right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. And here he quotes scripture. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring from the prestigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain, Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi. Let every mountainside, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. When we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every city and every hamlet, from every state and city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And I am grateful for that proclamation that I've lived 50 years where the problem hasn't been eradicated whatsoever, but there has been steady progress and we no longer live in a segregated society in which it was and that freedom is ringing more and more. I appreciate that as a Christian. I appreciate the word of the Lord coming true and I pray that it will ever be more so. So, I'm grateful for that. Let us uh, continue in spiritual warfare with collective prayers, with collective repentance, and with collective repentance, knowing that those who are greater with, uh, th those with us are greater than those who are in the world, and those mountains will come down if we do it all together and trust in the Lord. Lord Jesus, we look to our own selves and we say, what do we need to proclaim over our lives? Where does freedom need to ring in our hearts? 
Where are we in bondage, O Lord, as individuals? Lord, help us, deliver us, keep us, be our shield, our armor, and our safeguard as we trust in you and we thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.